You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. I have a very special episode today. We did a recent webinar with our director of coaching, Christina Byrne, on case acceptance, navigating the chairside path to profitability, where we share a ton of secrets on how to improve case acceptance. So I thought we'd share that on the Best Practices Show. So here you go. Hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll see you soon. If you are in this room, you are here to learn about case acceptance and figuring out how to um, how to encourage and motivate and um, guide your patients to accepting the best care for them. And it doesn't start in the consult room; it starts at chairside. So, my background is I am a hygienist, and so I have sat chairside with many, many patients and loved um, having conversations with them and learning about them and learning what their needs and wants were and kind of turning that into a good way to talk about treatment and talk about the things that are going to help to benefit them and help them be healthier. Kirk, how about you? Tell us a little yeah. bit about well, I'll t- <laughs> Well, where do I start? Let's go way, way back. Um, no, I love this. And you guys are going to see this. If you, this is your first time here, welcome. And if you're a veteran here to anything Act Dental, I just absolutely love the people I'm surrounded with. Um, they're amazing and they're brilliant. And if you don't know, we're coaches. So we practice, we, we, we coach dental practices all over the country and this is all we do. So we totally geek out on this stuff. And uh, we have 10 coaches now, and we work with a lot of amazing practices that aren't necessarily broken. They're just looking to get better and think better and improve culture and profitability. And so we're going to share with you a lot of thoughts today and systems and best practices. And so, again, if you're the first time here, keep coming back and um, we'll keep sharing great deals, great ideas, because we want, at the very least, we want this webinar whether you're watching it just by yourself or with your team, just to improve your life a little bit and go, Hey, that made me feel better. Like I got some good ideas. I hope you get some good nuggets. Um, And we've got some other great things. I will, I will say one thing about case acceptance. 
I, you know, first for me, my experience, it just starts with the mindset, the overall mindset. It's not like the doctor's responsibility solely or an assistant or like a magic word or magic phrase. It's the mindset of the entire office. Now, personally, I believe that money spent on dentistry is one of the best investments a human being can make, period, exclamation point. I believe that to my soul. I've seen it happen. We now have researched that shows that every investment you make into this, you know, to your oral health, not only improves the quality, but possibly the length of your life, all of these things. And so I think that's the biggest part we have to start with is mindset. Mm-hmm. And you're in a business now take dentistry out of it. But like, I would dread a day where I'm in a business where I think nobody wants to be here. Nobody wants to buy what I have to offer. <laughs> I would hope like everybody <laughs> wants to be here. Now, does everybody love going to dentist? No, but at the, at the forefront of it is like, we've got to condition our mindset for the most part. Like we love these people. These people come to us because they trust us. What we do is crazy valuable. Um, what we do, people do want to pay for. And I think that's one of the biggest hurdles people have to get over because we'll support you through the rest of it. But I think if you believe that dentistry is not worth it, your fees are too high and nobody wants to do it, that's a struggle. And so that's why you take them to great education, great courses, you know, invest time in learning and development. And together, you will be amazed by how much your team can think better. So those are my thoughts. Oh. Angela, do you have any thoughts? She loves like improv. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you have to say about treatment. <laughs> right. I, actually, I do have an announcement. And that is I want everybody to pay attention to the chat because that's where I will be posting the CE information as we wrap up. So awesome. Awesome. Uh-oh. All right. Let's see. There we go. Kirk, what in, what in the world is this? <laughs> this is a golden ticket. So the, now here's, here's something we do. So we really basically do three things. We have our BPA, which is an amazing community online resource where you can learn with everybody else. We have our pro coaching, which you get the help of an amazing expert coach. And in the middle, we have this thing called our study club, our to the top study club, where It's a study club that we created. We started this idea. We did it in Chicago. It was first called the Inner Circle. And I remember thinking, gosh, I don't know if anybody's going to show up for this, but let's just create a study club where we're meeting with them quarterly, working with them. We're growing together and it grew like crazy. And so now we grew to a group of 50 and now we're starting a second group. And so once a quarter, we just, we have a great uh, workshop. We keep everybody together and we share best practices on different things that we see. And we put everybody in a room and it's amazing how much people share. It's one of my favorite things ever. It keeps me on my edge. I learned a ton. I love hearing the stories. And so if you're lacking inspiration, you feel a little bit alone, don't do that. The worst person you could ever talk to is yourself because 80% of self-talk is negative. And that's why we created the To The Top Study Club where you can be around people that are amazing. I mean, it's fun to watch some of these people go, nope, I just turned the direction. I went this direction. It's crazy. I'm busy now. I love going to work. And that's the bottom line. I love it when people tell me they love going to work. So if you want to see what's happening, uh, you can join To The Top. Now, here's what's really cool about it. We believe in it so much that you can come for free. As our guests, the golden ticket, just come for one time. I I challenge you, come for one time. And if you hate it, just tell me you hate it and we'll (laughs) high five and we'll stay friends. But I know that won't happen. 
no harm, no foul. You don't have to come back. You can keep all the material, just keep it all. But I want, I, you know, we believe in it so much. You can just try it. And if you don't love it, that's okay too. So be our guest. Even if you come for one session, it, you're going to get so much information. It's, we just, one of the things that I love that Kirk talks about is, is he wants us to be the helpful company. And that's what we want to do. We just want to be able to help. And we just know that it's going to, you know, cascade onto, you know, lots of different offices being healthier, lots of team members being engaged and wanting to be in their offices. And then that kind of translates into treating the patients even better. So it just, it's going to all around just touch so many different lives. So just come for a free session. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Milwaukee is wonderful in the winter and uh, we are going to meet next week. We have one, our first session next week. And I think Kirk, I did the seating chart yesterday and we've got like 53 people. So we're a little bit, um, over, not oversold. We can fit more than that in our training center, but it's just, there's so much popularity around it. And then our February 2nd session, I think I want to say we are at like 40, close to 40 for that session right now. So we do have some seats. If anybody's interested, um, let us know. Yeah. And we'll talk to you again at the end. We'll show you some information and give you a way to get in contact with Gina if it's something that you're interested in and you would like to join us. Absolutely. All right. And here's the BPA that you talked about before. Um, all of our resources live in this portal. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. We we record these webinars. We record our to the top sessions, the virtual ones, and the live sessions. Um, and they they live in our BPA as well as all all of our practice tools, all of our information, our resources, our examples systems, anything that you can even think of. It's it's all living in there. Yeah, absolutely. Plus we have our community in there too. So it's not just a place to go and download stuff. You can actually communicate with other doctors in the community and it's really vibrant. I mean, I see it pop up. I have a, a mobile app and every day there's questions and doctors are posting questions and other doctors are answering and giving their advice. And we pipe in every now and again, but I love watching our doctors communicate and kind of build that community with us not even having to be there to facilitate that all the time. Yeah. And there's a lot of great resources out there. Uh, you know, our whole thing, our whole core purpose is better practice, better life. So we've spent an entire career of assembling best practices to create practices, you know, tools to help you become more aligned, smart and healthy. So, you know, if you're looking to scale 72 practices and all that kind of stuff, that's you probably you're not going to find any information back there about our whole jam is about helping people that really want to enjoy going to work, want to take great care of their team, do super high quality work, enjoy their lives um, and get more time, you know? So time is the new rich and you'll see all of the resources that we have back there are built to support that core purpose. Yep. And as we said, there is a mobile app, which is kind of fun. You could just see what's happening there. Okay, so today, Thursday, January 18th. Today is my husband's birthday, by the way. So happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Pat. Pat. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. Um, so we are, as I said, we're going to talk about case acceptance and um, figuring out how to help that increase profitability in your practice um, and doing it from the chair, right? So I often will say, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, as a clinician, it's our job to make sure the patient leaves our room and that chair wanting the treatment, understanding what it is, knowing 
exactly what's going to happen before they even get up to speaking to somebody on our admin team, because it's our responsibility as the clinical team to make sure that the patient understands all of that, not the, not the admin team. Okay, so why is this important? As we said, it is the cornerstone to a thriving dental practice. Um, if we are not having patients accept treatment, we don't have anything in our schedule. So we definitely need to make sure that we see every time we present treatment, we're presenting appropriate treatment and we're presenting it in a way that is gonna speak to the patient so that they will um, want the treatment because you know, they, we can tell them all we want and all that they need, but if they don't really want it themselves, it's not good. They're not going to, they're not going to agree to the treatment. Um, it can significantly boost our practices revenue for reasons I just said, uh, because we're going to get the patient to accept the treatment. They're going to get into our schedule and we're going to be able to, um, charge for those services because we're worth it. Patients are going to pay and our revenue is going to increase, which means that we can treat our teams better. We can invest in better technology in our practices, which then treats the patients better. So it, all around, it's a good thing. Um, it also is going to help that provider and patient relationship because we're going to talk about some strategies today that are going to help us to, to develop trust with our patients and have them view us as somebody who's not just trying to sell them dentistry, that we are there for them. We are gonna be their advocate and help them to make the decision because ultimately it is their decision, but what we do on our end and from our end is going to help them to make the most appropriate decision for them. And then um, moving more patients into care means that they're gonna be healthier. And one of the things that one of our good friends, um, Dr. Bob Gottlieb, used to tell me is that the best KPI of a healthy hygiene department is healthy patients. It's not perio percentage. It's not fluoride percentage. It's how many, what percentage of your patients are actually healthy. And so the more treatment um, that we, we look at, we determine, we diagnose, we talk to the patients about, and that they accept, then they are going to be happier and healthier. Yeah. Go ahead, Kirk. I, I can't believe you have that. You like that? So I'm actually following rules here. I don't oh, like rules. I love but it. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I, I'm so glad <laughs> you, you said Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I think one of the things that we think about in case acceptance, oh, we got to think about how we're going to sell a little bit harder or create treatment out of thin air when people <laughs> come in with these pathologies or challenges. I want you to think, just like Chris said, you know, when you look at your dental practice, whether it be a thousand patients, two thousand patients, three thousand patients. We have a charts, almost millions of dollars of treatment in those charts, undiagnosed, un, not discussed. You have patients that have bone loss and bleeding, and you don't want to say anything because you know them too well, or you know, or you see them at church. And what I want you to think about is exactly that. Like, let's just think about getting everybody healthy, you know, whether it includes dentistry or not. And then the second piece is like, just tell people the truth. Just get really good at just talking the truth and detaching yourself from all these stories about, well, they're never going to say yes. I think if you, as any kind of provider, just lean into, I'm just going to tell people the truth every day. And I'm not responsible for if they are overwhelmed or upset. And you just say, listen, it's your, it's your call. But my experience and what I see here, this is the truth. And then they can decide you'll be in a great place. 
you'll go farther than you ever dreamed with that mindset alone. Right. Right. And, and so that just plays right into that trust is the key and building that trust and, and really getting to know your patients um, as a person, not just this, this mouth walked in off the street and I have to fix those teeth that are in it. So I think that that goes a long way with the patients understanding that we are there as their advocate, we are there to help them to improve and to reach the, their goals that they want to reach. So we want to think about what is active particip participation of the patient. So, so it, you know, we all learned a lot of information in school. We learned about perio charting and we learned about restorations and decay and, and missing teeth and all kinds of things like that. And, and we just want to go into professor mode often and like tell the patient everything that I, that we learned in school about what's happening in their mouth. But we know that if we're not actually engaging the patient, they're going to zone out. So it's really important to involve that patient in the whole process. And we we think about it in terms of um, a preclinical interview. So we could talk about medical history and things like that, dental history, and that's all good. Like we obviously need to get that information and that's the clinical piece of it. But what does the preclinical piece look like? So we wanna, we wanna establish that relationship from the very beginning. When they come into our operatory, oftentimes the first thing we do is throw a bib on them. And then they have that might that kind of PTSD about being in a dental chair, right? It's scratchy and they remember like, oh, I don't like this. This, is, this isn't gonna be fun and it's, something's gonna hurt. So if we don't put that bib on them right away, like sit with them knee to knee and have some conversations with them you know, use your ability to um, use the tools that you have. So photography, um, intraoral and extraoral are really helpful in involving the patient, right? So we definitely want to get some full face, some profiles that will often spur some conversations, right? If you have somebody who has a profile um, photo and maybe their chin is pushed in too much or out and, and they never really looked at it like that before. So using those images to help to spur some conversations where patients are going to find and see things that maybe they've never seen before. Um, and then of course, intraoral photography I, I just can't say enough about that. I, I'm, I've been in dentistry long enough to know that when those first came out, I remember telling my husband like, oh, this is going to be a game changer when we started to get intraoral uh, cameras in the ops and, and use that and be able to show the patient like, oh my gosh, look at, look at these teeth. You know, this is, this is incredible than just putting, you know, a little mirror in their mouth and then having to look at their tooth in your mirror. <laughs> um, Radiographs with um, AI is something that is fairly new and recent, and we uh, partner with a really great company called Pearl, and I would encourage you to look them up. And they use AI, and I'll show you a little image here, to um, gather a lot of information. They can um, use these images, and we use them. So sitting chair side, we might even miss some of these things uh, that Pearl is seeing. But when the patient sees these objective colors and boxes and measurements and things that they can actually see and not just hear us talking about, um, it really does seal the deal for the patient that, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that 
this was going on. So we love um, anything that's going to be an adjunct to our eyes and our hands that we can help the patient to understand a little bit better about what's going on in the oral cavity. Yeah. Can I just add a couple of things? I, yeah, just, I was just sure. looking the, up the data. Now, the, the wild thing about AI is it's, you know, sometimes unsettling how much it can do. And the thing that Pearl does with, with this particular software is it's learning constantly. So it's not just the new release. It's learning every minute with every patient and every practice. And the naked eye can see between 40 and 70 shades of gray, where now this software can now identify over 800. So that's what the website says. It can now identify 800 different shades of gray and what it means. So it's crazy that we, and I, I also think AI is going to be an inevitable part of our futures. We could argue and debate that, but I think it, it's silly to not embrace it on some level. And it does take the subjectivity out of it. It does for sure. Um, you know, it's not just me telling the patient, this is what I see. They are actually able to look at it on, on your screen and see these different colors and words and things that they've heard us say in the past, um, but they're able to see it from a third party, which is really incredible. Um, we wanna be proactive with our perio evaluation. And I know probably every hygienist who's in this uh, webinar does this, uh, but let the patients know ahead of time what to listen for, what to feel, what to hear, things like that. I would often let them know um, that we were measuring for health. And I heard Miranda say that too. We're not always looking for disease or looking for something wrong. We're looking for health. And so health is going to be anything zero, one, or two, and three possibly. Um, and then, then you're telling them, if you hear something that's four and above, then just pay attention to that. And we'll talk about that when we're done. And it just gives that patient that ability to be invested in the process and, and they do pay attention more. Um, so if you, if you do that and you are perio charting and you do say four, five, six, uh, watch your patient's eyes because they will kind of widen up when they hear those, those numbers after you've explained to them, this is what I want you to listen for. Um, this is what I want you to feel. There might be some areas it shouldn't, it shouldn't be uncomfortable, but if there are areas that are uncomfortable, then that's something that we're going to talk about. So I will ask you when we're done, were there any areas that did feel a little bit uncomfortable? And then we can talk about that after the process. And the other thing I would do um, when I was working clinically is when I was done with the perio chart, especially if, I, if there were some findings that were not healthy, I would stop, I would sit the patient up and actually have a conversation with the patient instead of continuing to talk to them while they were laying back because it's that important. And, and they sense that too, like, oh, wow, she's sitting me up. This must be something that is important. I need to pay attention to. Yeah. Dr. Barrett Straub, I can't remember. I'm going to beat this up the last time, but I love how he said it. He said, talking about getting patients involved, especially when it comes to bleeding points, you got to make it simple for them. So a lot of times he'd say, I just need to know how many bleeding points and patients would go, well, there were six last time. Guess what, doctor? <laughs> Four this time. So like it was easy enough for them to understand that it was trending in the right direction. Right. Right. And I, and I do like the idea of either having a partner who can perio chart with you 
or if you're using some kind of system, I had, um, we used Dentrix in my office and I had a voice activated uh, perio chart. And it was great because the patients not only heard me say it, but then the computer would say it back. And, you know, so it was, it was just this kind of reinforcement. And I know that it's tough now and we have a lot of issues with keeping our team up to date and, and everybody's running around crazy in the offices. But if you can spare somebody that, that, that verbal confirmation of the perio chart is super valuable. And again, what should they feel for? We talked a little bit about that. Um, Co-discovery is, um, is a good way to have this conversation with the patient. We're going to learn about this together. Let's talk about the things that we discovered today during your evaluation. Um, and I would often do that with my doctors too and say, you know, this is what Mrs. Smith and I learned today. This is what we talked about today. Mrs. Smith asked a question about blah, 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 whatever it was, and kind of engage the patient into that process when I was having the handoff with the doctor. Um, but I think it's important when you set the patient up to, to learn with you and to pay attention really, because that's that's gonna be the biggest piece is just keeping their attention the whole the whole uh, way through the appointment. Um, it, it definitely makes them feel and and rightly so that we're all on this team together. We're doing this together. You and I are going to learn about this together. We're going to talk about it together and we're going to we're going to help to make those decisions together on what the treatment should be uh, when you leave this this room. Um, we want to let's see. I often run ahead. <laughs> um, we want to know too like not just here is what we're learning but how do you feel about that? What are, what are some of the things that I said? What can I tell you more about? Is there anything that, um, that you want to learn more about what we were talking? So I think that when the patients um, are, when they are listening and they are hearing us and we're taking the time to treat them like a human being and not just somebody who's going to hear all of this stuff that I learned back in hygiene school, then I think that they appreciate that um, a lot more. And, and it does obviously leads to trust. Um, understanding too, what are their motivators? What is it that makes them, uh, what are they here for, right? What, what, why are they in the chair? Why do they wanna possibly have this work done? Um, we have to figure out what is their motivation. Yeah. <laughs> and can I just, so back to what you said, you said something earlier, you know, if you can partner with somebody in your team and just think about this, like co-discovery is learning together. You know, it's, it's, it's truly a, uh, a combined experience. And if you can, if you can, you know, trust one of your team members, which you should like a great chair site assistant to say, listen, I'm just going to kind of keep track of how much you talked and they talked. They'll give you good feedback because some dentists go, I did a great job, I think. And the dentist talked 90% of the time where the patient just sat there and like opened their eyes and just, because after a certain point, all they hear is wah, 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 wah. So you got to be a little cognizant of that and having a great assistant go, listen, the distribution was really good this time. It was closer to 50-50. <laughs> and ultimately, if you get to a point where the patient's talking 80% of the time and you're talking 20% of the time, now you're doing something magical. And it's hard to notice that on your own. Uh, one other thing I'll add about Co-Discovery, this is a fantastic book. Shout out to Dr. Paul Henney, who has kept the legacy of Dr. Bob Barkley alive. He died in 1977, which was way before our time, but he was really a pioneer 
in understanding the behavioral side and the perio side of things. And I can't even go into it, but it's incredible reading, incredible knowledge. We have quite a few doctors right now reading this book, raving about it, and I can't recommend it enough. So thank you, Paul, for keeping this legacy alive. Yeah, I think that you made a you, you made a good point as far as the percentage of time that we're talking, right? Um, a lot of times we feel so uncomfortable when there's no talking happening that we just feel like we have to fill that space. And so it's really, really hard. But when you start to present treatment and you start this co-discovery process with the patient, you know, present what it is that you need to present and then just be quiet you know, try not to say anything. If you have to count to five, count to 10, even um, the patients, you know, they're working something out in their brain. Um, they're not just standing there, you know, sitting there with a blank brain. So, you know, they definitely are thinking something and people are processors. So if you want to continue a conversation that is two-sided, um, then it's really important to give the patient some space to think about what you just said and then start to pose some questions for you. And we'll we'll go we'll get into some open-ended questions that will help to spur more conversation um, when we're talking to the patient. So we want to also know again, what are their motivations? What are the what is the desired outcome that the patient has for, for their treatment, for their health, for you know, their time spent in your office, whether it's just, you know. How, what is your expectation for today's visit? Or what is your expectation for this entire process of a $50,000 treatment plan? Yeah. Can I yeah, add something to that? This yeah. is actually one of my favorite slides of today's webinar is know the patient's <laughs> desired outcome or expectation. Now, this is big. This is huge. And if you as a team can get on the same page, and I'll, I'll intertwine a little bit of the learning that's going on the last couple of weeks. Miranda, who just, just jumped off, one of the, her favorite questions when she was working on the administrative side is, what are your expectations for your visit today? Mm-hmm. That's a, such an important question before she would schedule them. So she'd do name, number, knowledge. I want to learn a lot about you. And when people say, I just want my teeth clean and I want to use my insurance, you know how to schedule them. <laughs> But if people are asking you, if you're asking for their specific expectations, they might give you something. They might give you a lot. We got to know what are they expecting out of this? Because if you don't, you've taken this great course and everybody's getting a full mouth workup and we're shooting for the full mouth, you know, reconstruction on everybody. And that, you know, that doesn't suit everybody. So just doing these little things that Chris is talking about help you so much with, you know, knowing their desired outcome. Mm-hmm. For sure. So as we mentioned, those preclinical conversations, we want to ask those open-ended questions to figure out what is it that's going to motivate motivate the patient. And we say open-ended because if I ask you, um, do you have any questions for me? The no. answer is going to be no. And the conversation is over. Like how there's no way to get back into that conversation once the patient has said no and it's it's over. So we have some really good examples of some open-ended questions. What are your concerns or what concerns do you have for your teeth or your mouth? So you can see now they've got to think about that. Now, one of the things that I will challenge you with is when you ask that question, then again, be quiet. Don't try to fill the space. You're asking the patient a question that nobody has probably ever asked them in any dental office that they've ever gone to before. So we have to give them some space. I'm sure they've never thought about any concerns before. So we want to ask them um, and give them the space to answer. What are your expectations for this dentistry? 
right? Um, I want it to last. I want it. I want to be able to smile. I want my smile to look good. Um, you know, I want to, I want to be able to, um, you know, to chew. I want to be able to have a good steak. You know, there's a lot of reasons why people want to have dentistry. Sometimes it's cosmetic, but a lot of times it's functional. And a lot of times they don't understand why maybe they can't have that steak or they can't chew that trail mix or whatever it is. So by asking these questions, we're going to kind of get to the bottom of some of those things that maybe they didn't even connect the dots that could be dental related. What is your understanding of what we are recommending? So that's a huge one because that tells me two things. Number one, it tells me, were they listening to me? <laughs> was I listening to them, right? And did I, was I able to kind of meet them where they are? And did they really hear me? Maybe I need to go back and say, you know, and and re-present re the information because, because I may have, presented one thing. And then when I asked them what they understood, it's something completely different. I need to do a better job of communicating with the patient and kind of getting on their level. How do you see this treatment helping you? This is a great one because what this does is it gives them that forward that forward thinking mindset, right? So today they're in a position where maybe they have something going on, they have a broken tooth or they're in pain about something and we recommend the treatment. We've gotten them to tell us back, yes, they understand what the treatment is. Now we're gonna ask them, how do you see this helping you? Now they can vision in, in, and visualize a day in the future where they do have that nice smile or they are able to eat eat more comfortably. And so you're, you're kind of giving them that future pull about where, you know, where they're going to go should they have this treatment completed. And then I love this one too. What is your understanding of what may happen if we don't move forward with treatment? So these two questions, and, and I, I think these two questions need to be in this order because the first part is, Think, having them think about the future and what it's going to be like when the treatment is done and how much better they feel. And then, and then having them come all the way back to today and what would happen if we don't do this treatment. And they've already told you how great things are going to be if they have it. So they won't even be able to under, you know, to, they won't want to stay in today and think about, you know, not having the treatment done. And we want to listen for change talk. And so when we think about change talk, it's what are some things that the patient would like to change? And we have to pay attention to those. So when we are asking those open-ended questions, we want to know what are some things that they desire to be different or desire to change? What do they have the ability to change or, or do differently? What do they see as the reason to move forward with the treatment? And what is it that they need? What do they need to do to be able to accept this treatment and go forward with it? So these are some um, examples of change talk. So when you're having those conversations with the, with the patient, start listening for these phrases, right? So, well, I really want to have this done, or I'd like to be able to eat anything that I want. I wish that I had a better smile. These are all things that they are desiring to have done. And it's great because again, this gives them that future pull and it gives them that ability to visualize what could be possible in the future. But then we listen for the ability. Well, I could 
maybe borrow some money from my mother, or I could, I can try to rearrange my schedule so I can fit this treatment in. Maybe I can phase this treatment out. So you're listening for those key phrases that kind of shows you where they are in this process. Um, the reason piece too, I would feel better if I had healthier teeth or a healthier smile. If I had more confidence, maybe I could apply for that promotion or get that job. And so having these conversations, again, you're going to be able to pinpoint where they are in the process and address some of these concerns. And, and this is not like, it's not a ploy, it's not a tactic, it's not a trick. I mean, every single one of us are in healthcare because we care about people. And so, you know, this is going to help us to connect with the patients on a much deeper level and help to enable that trust that they have in us. Because I know everybody who's on this webinar, like nobody is looking to do unnecessary treatment or like Kirk said, finding treatment out of thin air. Like this is all stuff we know people need. There's so few people in this world who have completely perfect dentitions and, you know, they have no problems, no carries risk, you know, everything's in alignment. <laughs> so, so people do have needs that we can help to take care of for them. Yeah. And absolutely. And being, you know, the future of dentistry, I think is all about advocacy. It's like, it's really going to bat for people and really understanding them. And the biggest piece is people buy what dentistry can do for them or the benefit of the dentist. They're not buying a crown they're, you know, we, we sometimes got to get out of our heads that they're comparing a crown that we have here in this office compared to another office. Well, we can do a whole five hour webinar on that one and it would be useless to everybody. You know, I think the ultimate thing is I'm going to do business with people I trust given all things are equal. And even when they're not equal, I'm still going to go to somebody I trust. Mm -hmm. I, and we're in a world where trust is tough. There's so many people that can do so many things. I just want to look at somebody and go, you understand me. Like I, I, I want this, or I have the ability to this or the reason I want to do this. And then I just want to know you're going to be, you're going to do well by me. Right. Right. People will often forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made, how they made you feel or how you made them feel. And so we need to have them, um, you know, make sure that people do feel heard. I mean, their stories and their reasons and the things that they need are really important for us to help them to move forward and to help them understand how, you know, how these things are going to impact them, not just not just their chewing and their food that they eat, but their whole lives and the things that they can do differently. So we want to provide some custom recommenda recommendations. And it was funny, I was, I mentioned this the other day, I was with a team last week and we were talking about like differentiators and things that help to make this practice um, stand out around uh, among the other practices in the area. Because pretty much if you drive in a 10 mile radius, you're going to hit you know, 72 offices probably. And so we talked about comprehensive care. And I was saying, you know, if I go to anybody's website, if I pick 10 office websites, I will guarantee you that at least nine of them all say that they provide comprehensive care. So that is not differentiating. But customized care is very different because now I'm saying you, Mrs. or Mr. Patient or John C. Patient, I'm going to provide a treatment plan that is just for you. It's not a one size fits all. It is just for you. This is These are the things that I would recommend for you. Um, and I think that that's really important, letting them know that um, that everything is customized. 
We are the experts, right? I mean, they come to us for that reason. Um, it is important for us to tell them exactly what we see. As Kirk said, we cannot um, either presuppose what the patient's gonna say or be afraid if they say no. That is not our job. It, our job is to provide them the information. We are the clinicians. We need to provide them all of the information, everything we see. And should they decide to move forward, we provide them with the with the recommended treatment to alleviate any of the issues that they that they have. And so they could say no, right? It's their right. I mean, they have every right to. But when it when we become so invested in whether or not they say no or or yes, we start to hide treatment or we start to say, oh, maybe I'm not going to present that. That's maybe it's, it's too much money. I don't want to present that to the patient or they're never going to say yes. So I think that we need to get out of that mindset and just, you know, be the clinicians that we are and let the patients know what we're seeing. I mean, that is really our responsibility. We are the experts we know, and they're hope they're looking to us to give them that advice. We want to share the outcomes um, related to the things that they said, right? So again, if I had this treatment done, I could apply, I could maybe get that promotion at the work and talk about what that might look like, right? Again, bringing them into the future and sharing with them if they if they said, you know, I really want to be able to smile more in photos and not feel subconscious about my teeth, um, then you know, share that with them, talk about that figure out, you know, oh, that would be great. Maybe you can set up some photo shoot after you have this done. Sometimes people have an event that they want to go to, their daughter's getting married, or there's a class reunion or something like that. And so talking about some of those um, things that we can expect once the treatment is completed. And then also, of course, we have to share the risks and benefits because there are. Anytime you're going to put a burr to a tooth, there's going to be a risk. So we have to be able to provide the patient with informed consent. They need to know what are the things that can and, and you know, hopefully low possibility, but may happen. Yeah. Go ahead, Kirk. Can I ask, what Chris said is just so important. Like putting these things into play in your office really differentiate you from all the previous dental experiences you had. Now, you might be listening to this webinar and you're going to have some limiting beliefs. You're going to be like, oh, you guys don't understand, Christina. You don't understand where I practice. Oh my gosh, you guys are coming from fantasy land that people are just going to say yes to this. And one of those things that could be influencing your limiting beliefs are the number of patients or the type of patient that you're seeing. You know, think about this. I want you to think about this just for a second. In a dental practice, you don't have to be everybody's dentist. You know what I mean? You just got to figure out what you want to do, who should be in those chairs. And then this stuff that Christina is sharing with you becomes so much easier. There's 331 million people in the United States. 331 million. You don't need to see all of them. You only need 12 or 1500 as a dentist, you know, if you're a single practitioner somewhere in there, depending. And then 65% of U.S. adults over the age of 18 have been to a dental office in the last year. So not everybody goes to the dentist. So again, a big part of this is figuring out who you want to be, who do you want in your chair and how you want to take care of people. And then you're going to find that it becomes easier, not right away, but month after month, you're going to go, wow, people actually said yes. We coach people all the time and there's nothing more fun than watching a dentist go, oh my gosh, the patient just said yes to like this big case. Now I got to figure out how to do it, you know? So it's kind of fun. 
Yeah, it's true. And, and, you know, there are, a, there are a lot of fine dental practices in this world. And, you know, if you want to set yourself above, you can do that. And you, to Kirk's point, you don't have to see everyone. So the patients who I'm sure you can all think about the patients in your practice who call you when they break a tooth and they will never, ever schedule that comprehensive exam. There are offices who will help them and who cater to that, that mindset. And you don't have to, right? I mean, you can spend your time with the patients who value what you do and help you to do the type of dentistry that you want to do. So I think that's a really um, important mindset to, to think about and to get yourself into. Okay, so some, um, some other open-ended questions. What questions do you have for me? Not, do you have any questions? I think that's super important. Um, and again, pause, let them think about it. And I sometimes would even say to a patient, I know when doctor came in, we talked about a lot and she gave you a lot of information. So I wanna be able to help to decipher some of that. So tell me what questions you have for me about what she said. And so that would often get the patients thinking and um, and and opening up and and giving me that information. Sometimes they they are going to sit there and again you're going to pause and you're not going to answer right away and you're you're going to let that space kind of happen. But if they still don't have any questions for you, you can prompt them. And I love being able to allow the patient the ability to know that they're not on their own and they're not the only patient who's ever had this question. So, so I love bringing them in and saying, you know, some patients often wonder how long this is gonna take. Would you like me to talk more about that? I can share some more information about how long this process takes. Um, some patients wonder if they'll ha have to take time off of work after this procedure. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how many visits and what time we can do these procedures, what makes sense for us, and we can work within your schedule. Again, we're, we're helping them to see that we can customize this treatment, not just the treatment recommendation and the diagnostics, but the actual process and customize it for them. Oh, you're off on Wednesday mornings, perfect. We can get you in on Wednesday mornings. I'll block those weeks in doctor's schedule so that we know that you have those appointments for you. Um, so I think that that's really important. And again, give it, prompting them with those questions about what other people may be asking about, um, about the particular, whoops, about the particular treatment. There we go. Um, ensure that their clinical concerns are addressed before the pit stop with the admin team. And this is what I talked about a little bit earlier. Um, any patient who get, gets up to the admin team and says, I'm not really sure what I need. Um, I don't know. Do I need, is it a crown? I didn't hear them say it's a crown, you know, and I know, I know that you all talked about it and you all gave them the treatment, but we have to make sure that they are committed to it. Yes or no, whether they are going to do it or not before we walk them up to the admin team. Yeah. Go ahead, Kirk. Yeah. So I, I, this is so good. And this slide is so important. Having great questions and knowing what to say. I know a lot of you are watching this going, oh, I got to write this down. Or what's more important is to understand this. The question is the answer. So we tell a lot of dentists, like, don't worry about like having the perfect answer or the perfect solution. I would prefer anybody just get better at questions and then really listening to the answers that the patients give you for the questions, which is a whole nother thing to understand. And then one more piece, I'll just piggyback on what you said, Chris, is like the space thing. So many people are uncomfortable with spaces. Oh my gosh, patient's not talking. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm sweating, I'm sweating. Somebody's got to talk. 
So many people feel so compelled to fill space with talking. It's okay to not talk. The space is beautiful. Dentists don't like spaces. They don't like spaces in conversation. They don't like spaces in teeth. They don't like spaces in schedules. Spaces are beautiful. Let spaces happen and let the patient talk because sometimes they're overwhelmed. You don't know what they're experiencing when they're hearing this for the first time. They might just be processing like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. Oh, and you're just filling the space with words. So be comfortable enough to not talk. Right. I have had many, many offices who I've worked with in the past who tell me the doctor talks the patient out of treatment. <laughs> and I'm sure if anybody is here, raise your hand if that has ever happened in your office, because it does happen for that same reason. The patient's trying to think about how they're going to have it done. Like they're figuring out their schedule, they're figuring out their finances. And if you just keep talking, they can't process it. And before you know it, you're talking them out of the treatment or, you know, it, and so it's really funny. And I have seen that happen quite a few times. And I've had team members kind of roll their eyes and say, oh yeah, he just keeps going and they're never going to do anything. <laughs> And so when patients do object, so think about it as a gift, not as, as, if, as if you're being shut down. And like I said yesterday, or yesterday, like I said earlier, um, if you, if somebody is telling you no, you can't wear that. That's not on you. That's not your burden. They have every single right to say yes or no. But if you look at the objection as a gift, then maybe we can we can change our mindsets a little bit too and figure out what exactly are they objecting to, right? So if they're objecting to the time, okay, so now I'm understanding maybe they're still interested, but they're objecting to the amount of time it's gonna take. Wouldn't it be great if the patient says to us, I don't want this to take seven weeks. Okay, great. We're gonna actually schedule an entire day of just you. <laughs> Obviously, if the treatment works out that way and we don't have to phase it out, but wouldn't that be a great way to to address that particular object, objection with a solution that is going to benefit the patient. Um, invite those and ask them. I, sometimes it's even good. Tell me what concerns you have about this treatment or what are some of the things that are put are in your way? What is preventing you from maybe moving forward with this treatment? And that's going to help them to kind of think about some of those things. And as long as we can address those objections, um, you know, I think that we're, again, establishing that trust with the patient. And, and they might still say no, but at least we are going to nurture that seed. And next time we'll ask them again. And next time we'll ask them again. Yeah. One more thing. Now, I know Miranda has that slide that we just showed where objections are a nice little gift box. I see them as a boulder. So you can look at it however you want, but people are going to give you these big boulders and they're going to go, I can't get through. And you and what's really cool is do exactly what Christina said, but honor the boulder. Go, okay, I get it. Let me take this big boulder. I'm going to put it right here because I know this is important to you. Tell me about this. Like when they go, I have insurance and I don't have any money and I don't want to go out. Oh, totally. Don't try to like circumvent the boulder and go, don't worry about that. We'll get around that. But no, just grab it, put it right here on the side and then just go, Hey, I totally tell me more about this. And you'll see how much more you can connect with human beings. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, a couple of things that we want to talk about when we are handling those objections is hear them out, right? Um, let them talk about it. Don't, if they start to even say, well, I have insurance, don't jump in and, and, 
create a solution immediately until you've heard them out. Like you might not know that they're going in a different direction after the first couple of words. Um, listen again, listen more, talk less, validate their objection. I totally understand that this is going to take a lot of time out of your schedule, or I completely understand that this is a a large financial investment. Let's talk about some of the things that we can do to help you to move, th move through this. Um, providing those options, talking to them when they do finally come up with a solution, just confirm it and validate that as well. Um, making sure too that they don't have any additional objections and then ask them. Ask them to commit to the treatment, commit to the process um, and obviously get scheduled into the appointment. Okay, there are some KPIs that we can use to measure success for these, um, for case acceptance. So we wanna look at diagnostic percentage. So if, if you have dental intel, great. If you don't, you can measure this on your own. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna look at, of all of the exams performed in a given period, what percentage of patients were treatment planned with new procedures. So if you take, let's say you had 100 exams in a time period and 50 patients were diagnosed with something, that's a 50% um, diagnostic percentage. So obviously that's easy math, but you can do the calculations yourself. And if you track it on a weekly basis, it's not going to be that overwhelming. But that's a huge one is to look at diagnostics because oftentimes we we, we think, you know, oh, we have to, you know, we have to have all of this, this acceptance and we're looking at our production and we're looking at our collections and how come they're not, um, they're not improving, but those are lagging indicators, right? Production is a lagging indicator. It tells me what happened last month, but the diagnostic percentage, that's a leading indicator. That tells me how well I'm planning ahead for my schedule to be full patient acceptance percentage. So of the patient's treatment planned with new procedures in that same given period, what percentage of those accepted and scheduled treatment? Okay, <clears throat> so that's the same, same thing. You can do that manually, or if you have some kind of analytic software like Dental Intel, you can, you can do it through them. You can just pull that report. And then treatment acceptance. So this is where we're looking at the actual dollars. So of the dollar amount that is treatment planned for new procedures in that period of time, what uh, what dollar amount percentage was accepted and scheduled? So it's kind of interesting. I like to think about, there's so many different um, ways to calculate and to understand your success in this area. You don't wanna just say, um, hey, I had, 10 patients yesterday and I five of them had treatment in their schedule so I'm at 50%. But you know, if that if those five patients if I only diagnosed like the most minimal thing on them a DO on 12 and and they all accepted it, then I have 100% acceptance, but I only have 100% acceptance on these things that I know that the patient's going to accept versus thinking more comprehensively, more more customized to the patient and providing the patient the entire opportunity for them to be healthy. So when we look at treatment acceptance rate, um, it is one of the 
most under, misunderstood metrics in dentistry. And part of it is that reason that I just mentioned. So I can, I can present minimal treatment and be like, I have a hundred percent acceptance rate, but I'm only presenting the stuff I know the patient's going to say yes to. So we need to get outside of that box a little bit. And so we have to, you look at this in a combination of multiple um, KPIs, like dollar amount. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So patient treatment diagnosis percentage, again, is the total number of patients diagnosed with a restorative procedure in the given period divided by the number of exams in that period. And I'll show you a little example here. So this is a metric from Dental Intel, and this is what their dashboard looks like. So they give you um, a lot of different pieces of data. So what percentage of the patients seen for exams were diagnosed with treatment? So this is probably an entire year. So this particular practice performed 670 exams, and of those, 392 had some type of treatment put onto the treatment planner that day of the exam. So that's a 59% um, patient treatment diagnosis percentage. So it, again, this just explains it a little bit more. These are the ADA codes for exams that you wanna look at. And when we're looking at new elective procedures put onto their treatment planner, we're going to um, exclude the hygiene codes. Those are a different metric. We're not talking about that today, but I'm sure in a future webinar, we're gonna talk about hygiene KPIs. Um, so you're going to exclude those um, 4341, 42, and 4910 um, to get this particular number. And again, here's that percentage. So it's it's a great one for your, your assistants to be responsible for. It's a good one for hygiene to be responsible for. It's just a really good metric. Again, it's a leading metric. It's something that we can, we can say today is 59%. Next week, let's improve it. And that's going to affect our production and collections in the following month. Go ahead, Kirk. Yeah, two things I would just add and just what Christina just said is, this is actually one of my favorite if you are looking at improving and you want some KPIs, I would actually start here because the others are tied to where this comes from. You know, Wayne Gretzky said you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. This is kind of the same thing. And having a great chair site assistant take a look at this and remind you, go, hey, listen, we're only at 23%. Let's try to get to 35%, 45%. Things will naturally get better. One more thing, and I know we have a slide about it, is this is one of those things where you can't look at industry standards. You're going to listen to your friends and they're going to say, I'm at 95% and all this. Kind of, it's, it's just useless. The only use for these numbers is for you to get better at your numbers. That's mm -hmm. it. So if you're 25%, just set a goal to go to 35%. That's it. Don't compare industry standards or anything like this. This is just a great, like, like you said, a great leading indicator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's true for any KPI to, to just look to improve your own. Don't worry about what the people down the street are doing because they might be lying to you. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody wants to puff their chest and talk about what they're doing and what they're doing, but you know, really just, just worry about yourself. <laughs> for sure. Um, so what percentage of, of patients seen for exams were diagnosed with treatment? Definitely a huge, huge leading indicator for future production. 
Okay, so patient treatment acceptance percentage is of the patients you diagnose with treatment, how many accept some portion of treatment. So this one is gonna be a little bit tricky. There's two parts to this one. Um, and as Kirk, as Kirk mentioned, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just think about where you are today. And I would, I would encourage you to start tracking it. And then after, you know, a month or two, then start to say, okay, this is where we've been historically over the last two months. Let's set some goals. Let's say, let's increase this by 5% in month one and, and just take it from there and just worry about where you guys are as a practice and, and get the whole team involved too. I think it's really valuable to have everybody looking at these things. Okay, so total number of patients who have accepted some type of procedure um, based on the number of what's been presented. So in this case, we presented 546 patients with something and 492 accepted. So you could see that percentage is 90%, okay? Um, <clears throat> so it might be a little bit more only if we, because we're looking at this in relation to exams, if we didn't have an exam on a particular day. So for example, patient comes in for, I love using DO on 13, right? And then while we're in there, we notice that the MO of 14 also needs to be done. So we add that to the treatment plan. So there was no exam done that day, which means that we might have, our numbers might be just slightly skewed. So just keep that in mind. They're not going to be exact in that, in that situation. Um, so you can take it a little bit further by looking at the percentage of dollar amount that was treatment planned and scheduled as well. So for example, if you diagnose and you have um, a treatment plan for four crowns, but the patient's going to come back in four visits to have that done or two visits, but they only schedule one of those visits, your um, patient acceptance percentage is going to be 100% because they some, but you did present something and they accepted something but your treatment acceptance percentage is gonna be 25% because I presented four crowns and one was scheduled. And so, especially in this particular model with Dental Intel, they look at scheduled as accepted. So, um, so just think about that for a minute. Um, and then understanding that um, this is huge in terms of what is the potential opportunity. I There's another, box in Dental Intel um, on their um, the production box, and it tells you what is scheduled for the month. And I think that's a super valuable thing to look at. And if you don't already have it set up in your software where either Dentrix or EagleSoft tells you in the upper right-hand corner or the top of the schedule, the appointment book, what is scheduled, um, you're missing out on a ton of opportunity of knowing how to make sure that you uh, you achieve your daily, weekly, monthly goals when it comes to production. Okay, dollar presented, dollar treatment presented can be defined as all the, of all the dollars in the treatment I presented to my patients. So treatment presented is the sum total of the restorative dollars associated with the procedures added to today's treatment planners, okay? So the patients that were in for today and we added stuff to their treatment. So we, in this particular instance, they presented $409,000. They accept, whoops, they accepted $229,000. And so they're at a 56% um, accepted rate in terms of the dollars accepted versus the patients who accepted treatment. 
So this can be defined of all the dollars in the treatment I presented to my patients, what percentage of patients accepted. And again, simply taking the dollars of treatment accepted and divide it by the dollars of treatment that was presented. And that's where 56% comes in. So as Kirk mentioned, we do have um, some top 10 practices, bottom 10 practices and industry medium. Um, this don't use this for anything other than just a guide and just think about where you want to be. Um, I will say, you know, this is a, a decent metric to look at, but if you're at 25%, you're, you're a little bit better than the top, than the bottom 10%. So celebrate that and maybe get to 30 next month. <laughs> so I think it's, it's a good, good thing to see where, where industries are. Um, but really it's important to just incrementally create progress within your own team, because if your team's at 25% and you tell them, look, we've got to get to 59%, I want to be top 10 you're going to demotivate your entire team because there's no way that you're going to achieve those goals. Um, so definitely think about where you are, think of your history and set your goals according to that. But the bottom line is um, focus on your own, the internal numbers, instead of comparing yourself to what you see other people doing or what you read online, because a lot of it is not true. <laughs> people are just, um, you know, they're inflating things because they want to feel better. Okay, so what are we gonna do? Okay, so we've diagnosed, right? We've gotten patients to accept. We talked about the, um, you know, if you're at 56% acceptance, we still have a huge number of patients who were presented treatment, treatment that was necessary and needed, but they haven't accepted the treatment. So what are we gonna do? We have to make sure that we follow up. We're not just gonna let those fall out into the universe and then in six months, ask them about it again. We have to come up with some kind of a system so that if the patient doesn't schedule, what are we gonna do? What is gonna be our process? So I would definitely bring it up at your daily huddle. And this should be part of the chart prep for anybody in the office, whether it's you know the hygiene schedule, the assistance schedule, even the admin um, team members. We wanna make sure that anybody who has treatment that has not been completed and they're in today in the schedule today, we're gonna talk about that. And we're gonna you know, ask them questions. We're going to listen to them. We're gonna ask them those open-ended questions about the treatment, get back in there, take some more intra-all photos, take a radiograph if you feel like you, you it's necessary, um, and then create some kind of a, a system for yourself. Who's gonna be responsible for doing this? When is it gonna happen? Are you gonna call the patient? Are you gonna email the patient? Are you gonna send them a text? You know, all of these things need to be worked on. Um, we have some offices who want to reach out to the patient within two days and ask them if they have any considerations. Is there anything that I can answer for you about this treatment? Um, some people wait a couple of weeks, but whatever it is, make sure that it's something that works for your team and something that is gonna be meaningful um, and and give somebody the ownership of it, right? If nobody's accountable, if, if everybody's accountable, nobody's accountable. So put one person in charge of making sure that this happens. Personalize your communication with the patient, whether that, like I said, if it's a phone call, if it's going to be email, if it's going to be a text system, 
um, you know, just make sure that it's something that is not just like a blanket, like, oh, you need to schedule for that crown. Have some customization into that and some personalization. Going back to some of those things that you talked about, if you did a really good preclinical interview, then you're going to have put some notes into your chart about why this is important to the patient. Thinking about some of those, um, those darn statements of what it is that they wanted to achieve and, and accomplish. Um, and that will be really helpful too. <clears throat> document your communication with the patient. That's really important um, because even if there is one person who is ultimately responsible for unscheduled follow-up, everybody's probably going to have a hand in helping out. So if I had a conversation with a patient about something and then I'm out for a day and then Angela has to call that patient. And if she doesn't have my notes, it's going to be uncomfortable. And we want to make sure that our patients see that we communicate as a team and we're all in there for them. Um, so just make sure that you're taking notes and putting them in the computer. So here are some of those closed-ended questions. So one task I would, I want everybody to commit to stop asking these questions do you have any questions for me? Did you want to go ahead and schedule? Did you have enough time to think about it? These these are just, they, they kind of shut the door on any future conversation you can have about, about that treatment. So, um, so stop using those. Start asking these questions. Um, these are really, really so much better and keep that conversation going. What questions have you thought of since you were here last time, right? This is a great question to ask that patient who's back in your hygiene chair. They never did that crown or that filling or whatever it was that, that was diagnosed. Um, and just ask them, what have you thought about since you were here last time? Let's talk about scheduling that. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you've been thinking about the treatment that you spoke about. So I think that this gives them the ability to, to converse about it because they may have thought about it and they do have some questions for you. Okay, final takeaways. You can't want it more than them, right? You have to know what they want and finding out what motivates that patient and how they're gonna benefit from the treatment and let them kind of discover on their own how this is going to affect them and improve their, their life. And if you're not doing it this way, then that's totally fine. That's what these webinars are about, is learning something new, taking away a couple of pearls that you can start in the office the next day. Um, try to try to start doing it in your in your visits with your patients. I would I would recommend practicing it as a team first, practice those verbal skills together. Um, and then pick out, you know, one or two patients starting tomorrow who you're going to change the way that you ask these questions, right? Thinking about those open-ended questions. Sometimes just making a little sticky note and putting it in the back of your operatory to remind yourself when you're sitting knee to knee with the patient um, to ask those open-ended questions. And it's, it's not going to happen overnight. So just kind of you know, think about it a little bit, try it out a little bit, you'll start to understand and feel for what sounds right coming from you. And um, the more authentic that you make it, the better it will be for the patient. So I think that um, that's something that everybody can start to try. Um, if you are interested in learning more and deepening your verbal skills around this, we do have a webinar. It's a four-part verbal skills series, um, and you can find that um, in the BPA. Um, I 
is it on our website, Kirk? Can they access that on the website? I can't remember. Um, um, I can't remember either, but if you're listening to the webinar, you can email me at info at actdental.com. Do you like that? Perfect. That's actually perfect. Angela's email. It's a great, great series. I, we use it constantly yeah. as far as um, remember, like sending it to offices and reminding them, and hey, you have a team meeting? Great. For the next 14 meetings, watch one of these each week. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, the the whole genesis of it, it's like a four-hour webinar. Yeah, Verbal really skills good. matter. And so what we did is it's several hundred slides of our favorite things that have ever been said <clears throat> in a dental office. And you can use them. Don't try to do all of them. But, like, it might be a great thing to go, let's just try this one this month. <laughs> All right, and then uh, call to action. We have, and and they these these um, examples will be part of the follow up tomorrow. We will send you a form that you can fill out to get examples of daily huddle, examples of a pit stop, and a pit stop is basically PIT is procedure, investment, and time, and those are the three big pieces that most patients are going to want to talk about and feel really comfortable about before they even get in your in your appointment book. So. Um, we have that, we have the say that, say this, not that document. And it's an exercise that you would do with your team to think about what are the, some of the things that we currently say that we could maybe say a little bit better. And we give you some examples, but we also prompt you to come up with some things that are phrased, um, you know, that your team feels comfortable saying. Um, the unscheduled treatment plan follow-up system, the verbal series we mentioned before. And then you can always contact Gina as well to learn more about how we can help you with your case acceptance. And you can either do info at actdental.com or you can do Gina at actdental.com. Uh, Gina has access to all of our resources and she loves, she is, she is a super, super helpful member of our team. And she is constantly reaching out to us as coaches to say, hey, I've got this great doctor here. She asked for this. Can you guys get me an example or send me a resource? And we just, we'll just give it to you. We'll just give it to you. We want to give it all away. So don't forget to do that. All right, we've got some upcoming things. Obviously, this is today. Um, Angela mentioned about um, Dr. Suleiman doing the, um, let's see, reinstate, reinstating form, strength, and appearance to devitalized teeth. That's tomorrow. And then, of course, we mentioned also our To the Top Study Club. Um, that is next Friday. And then we have another one on February 2nd. It's the same content, but we, as Kirk mentioned, we study club is so big, we had to split it up over two sessions. We also have a live uh, workshop, which is Miranda, and she's doing an admin workshop called Beyond the Front Desk, Achieving Dental Administrative Excellence, and that is March 22nd. Um, you can um, find that in, on Eventbrite and get registered for that. I would not miss it if I were you. Uh, that is a live course and it will be fantastic. Yeah. And then Kirk, you wanna give one more invite to yeah. Again, I always like to bookmark it with good stuff here. So I hope you guys enjoyed today. This is great stuff. Share this with your team. Don't just consume this yourself, but share with your team. It's a great team meeting. Pick one or two, three, two or three things out of this and say, let's try this as a team. And I'll say this to the dentist. You know how hard it is to communicate to the people you've been working with forever? Ask Christina and Angela. I just talk and talk and talk. It's often best to bring an influence from outside 
you know, and that's what we want to be here for is great education, help you create a better practice and better life. These webinars are available to you. Anything that was mentioned, you want help with it, reach out to us. We'll help you every step of the way. And then I would just encourage you to bookmark our event page because we're going to be updating that constantly. It's an awesome array of great things that will only support um, all the all the things that you're going to be doing here in the future. Uh, check it out. You're going to see we're geeks about great education. We love it. We're picky. Um, so it's not going to be lousy education. It's going to be top-notch education. So thank you guys for being here. So thank you guys for attending. Angela, thanks for keeping us on the rails. She let us know 14 minutes ago that it was two (laughs) o'clock. I I was trying so hard. I thought, oh, there's just so much information. That's how we end up with force four-part series. I know, right? Right. (laughs) And you're naturally doomed when you invite me. So it's got to go. No, it was awesome. Thanks, Kirk. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, We'll we'll send out the recordings uh, for those of you that registered and keep showing up. So until we see you guys next time, have a great day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.